recently a family went to the movies, and their young boy is like 10, 11 years old, decided he wanted some popcorn, and so they said, okay, he's starting to get a little bit older, we're going to let him go to the concession line by himself. So mom and dad and the rest of the family, they go in and they get some seats at the movie and they let their son go through and, and get the popcorn. And so he gets his popcorn, but it takes a little bit of time in the line. And so the, by the time he gets in the movie theater, it's very dark. And so the kid starts looking for his family and he's going up and down the rows and, and he can't find them. And he gets a little bit more scared and a little bit more desperate. And finally, in the middle of the previews, this kid calls out in the theater and he says, does anybody here know me? And of course, he found his family, and there's no like tragic end to that story. But I thought that illustrated a great point for us. I wonder how many people come to City Church every Sunday morning. And maybe the lights are up, maybe the lights are down. But I wonder how many people come here on a weekly basis and they say, man, does anybody here even know me? I wonder how many people are in churches across DeSoto County, and they wonder, man, does anybody here even know me? Does anybody here even know me? care whether I'm here or not. You see, the truth is God has placed inside of each and every one of us a desire to be known, a desire for connection, a desire for community. And one of the reasons why we gather, one of the reasons why we have church is so that we can become known, so that we can get to know one another, so that we can build community and connection. We're in a series called Why Church, and we're giving answers to this question each week. We, we started out week one, and we discovered that church is where I plant, that it's where we grow roots, and it's where we establish ourselves. There's something to be implanted. Then last week, we, we saw how church is where I serve, that there's something that happens when, when we allow ourselves to be used by God, to use our gifts to build his kingdom together in the context of the church. Next week, we're going to have my favorite message, I think in this series. We're talking about how church is where we fight. That's where we fight for each other, where we fight for the kingdom, where we fight for the lost. Today, I want to talk to you about why church, that we do church. The reason we have church is because church is where I connect. Now, again, just like with the other messages in the series, I don't, I don't want to suggest that church is the only place that you connect. Obviously, hopefully you've been able to connect in an, in an earthly family. Hopefully you've been able to connect maybe at a job or at a school or in a neighborhood. Like, we should have other connections outside of the church. But I believe God's design is for us to have some of the most meaningful connections in our life inside the body of Christ. In fact, even inside the local church where he's planted us. There's something about the power of connections in church. We all have this desire to be known. We all have this desire to connect, but it's not simply a desire that we have for ourselves. First Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 and 13 say this very famously. In fact, I've preached this section probably three or four times in the past 12 months, so I decided I'd change it up and use a different translation today. We're going to go to old school and go to the Living Bible. Uh, this is my, the Bible that my dad always read when I was a kid, uh, used to read to me. But the Living Bible puts it this way. It says, our bodies have many parts. I don't know what that was, but that's all right. I'm just making sure your ears are awake. Our bodies have many parts, but the many parts make up only one body when they are all put together. So it is with the body of Christ. And listen to this. Listen to verse 13. I love this. It says, each of us is a part of the one body of the Christ. Some of us are Jews. 
Some of us are Gentiles. We could say some of us are black. Some of us are white. Some of us are Hispanic. Some of us are Asian. Some of us are mixed. Some of us are slaves, and some are free. But the Holy Spirit has fitted. Everybody say fitted. The Holy Spirit has fitted all of us together into one body. Say, I fit. That's not the latest Apple product to help you get in shape, right? That's a declaration that God has fitted you into the body of Christ. Notice who it said fitted you there. It said the Holy Spirit has fitted us together. In other words, if God's done it, if it's his work, then that means you fit. Whether you feel like you fit today, whether you know where your place is or not, whether you've discovered it and you're happy with it and you're content with it or you have no idea, the reality is God has made a place for you. God has designed for you to fit and for me to fit. In fact, I fit and so do you. I believe it is God's design for you to have life-giving relationships with other Christians who are part of of your church family. I believe every one of us, he is designed for us to have that. If you've received Jesus as your savior, I believe that is part of God's heart for you. God did not design for any of us to do life alone. He did not design for any of us to carry our own struggles, our own burdens, our own junk, our own shame, our own challenges, our own weaknesses, our own stuff by ourselves. He designed for us to carry it together. God wants you to have community. It's evident throughout all of scripture. God himself exists not as one, but as three in one. God models community for us. He demonstrates for us that unity can be achieved amongst those who are different. It's the vision that he has for his church. The very beginning of scripture in Genesis, God looks down on day six and he says, it is not good for man to be what? Alone. Now, normally we use that as a marriage verse, right? Like I've used that at a lot of weddings that I've done. And and we hear that a lot in premarital counseling and when the context of why it's important to get married. And I think marriage is great. And I think that's the primary uh, reason why God said that. But I think there's a deeper meaning behind it. Because some of us aren't married, right? But it doesn't mean we have to be alone. It doesn't mean that we have to do it on our own. There's many people in different seasons for different reasons who aren't married, but that doesn't mean you have to carry all of life's struggles by yourself. It's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for woman to be alone. It's not good for us to be alone. It's not good for me to be alone. Fast forward to the New Testament, and 59 times in the New Testament, It uses this phrase, one another, again and again and again. Serve one another, encourage one another, love one another, be devoted to one another, pray for one another, one another, one another, one another, one another, one another, one another. I'm not going to say it 59 times, but you get the point, right? Again and again and again, the New Testament, the instruction for how the church is supposed to operate, it continually comes back to one another, not just to me. And we have a problem with this as Americans because we, we have built into our American DNA this, this idea of freedom and independence and personal stuff, right? Like we've got this idea of isolation. And I, I love our country and I'm grateful that I'm an American, but I, I think sometimes that stuff seeps into our spirituality and we create this Christianity of isolationism. 
we, we create this belief system that I got to carry this by myself and I got to do it by myself. And don't get me wrong, there's some things you got to do by yourself. Nobody else is going to read the Bible for you. Nobody else can, can have the same impact praying for you as you can have praying for your own life because you have some authority over your own life that nobody else does. There's some things you're going to have to do for yourself, but praise God, there's some things that we get to do for each other. There's some things we're designed to do for each other. Hebrews says very famously, do not give up meeting together. And when we always use this as a church verse, and I certainly think there's, there's a part of it that is church, but, but I think it's even beyond church. I think he's saying don't give up being around other Christians. Don't give up spending time with the body of Christ. Don't give up, man, making it a priority and being intentional to get together with other people that you can do life with. The testimony of the word of God is clear from the front to the back. You were not designed to do life alone. Paul Tripp, one of my favorite modern day theologians in his book, Wider from Snow, Meditations on Sin and Mercy, he said this. He said, we weren't created to be independent autonomous or self-sufficient. We were made to live in a humble, worshipful, and loving dependency upon God and in a loving and humble interdependency with others. Our lives were designed to be community projects. Yet the foolishness of sin tells us that we have all that we need within ourselves. That's a lie. We don't have all that we need within ourselves. That's why we, we, we confront this statement a lot of times, right, that uh, God won't give you more than you can handle. It's not true. He will, right? Why, why do you feel like sometimes you can't handle things? Because you can't handle things by yourself. But the Holy Spirit inside of you and the body of Christ around you means that you're going to be able to make it through whatever challenge that you face. But don't believe the lie that you can handle it all by yourself because you can't. The foolishness of sin tells us that we have all we need within ourselves. So we settle for relationships that never go beneath the casual. We defend ourselves when the people around us point out a weakness or a wrong. We hold our struggles within, not taking advantage of the resources God has given us. How many of us have been guilty of not taking advantage of the resources God has given us? I know I have. So many of us. Man, who do we hurt when that happens? We, we hurt ourselves. I think we hurt each other too. I think the more that we embrace community, the more that we embrace one another, that yes, I'm going to be better off, and I'm going to benefit, and I'm going to be blessed, but, but somewhere along the line, I'm going to actually have the opportunity to be a blessing to somebody else. Somewhere along the line, God's actually going to use me to, to speak encouragement into somebody else's life. And that's the design for community. That's why God didn't make me capable of handling it by myself, so that we have to get together, so that we have to do it with one another, that we have to support each other. So if I want to connect, it's my deepest desire or one of my deepest desires and one of your deepest desires to be known. And God wants us to connect. We see it all throughout scripture. How is it possible that there's so many Christians who are disconnected? Well, I don't have all the answers, but I want to give you a few reasons. In fact, I think I wrote down five. Five reasons why we find it difficult to connect. Five challenges to connection, you could call this. The, the number one, I think, or the first one to put down is we don't connect because we are over-scheduled. We're over-scheduled. I, I know so many people, uh, and, and I know it's easy for me to speak against this because right now my son is three and my daughter is two, and I'm going to have to figure this out for myself when I get there. But I know so many people whose, whose teenage kids 
activities dominate their schedule so much that they literally have no opportunity to do anything because we're at basketball and we're at gymnastics and we're at band and we're at this and we're at that. And, and, and I'm not, man, I want my kids to be involved in stuff. So I'm not trying to like speak out against that. But at some point in time, like we've got to have some room to do life together. We've got to have some room in our schedule. Like many times I think we don't connect just because we're, we're overscheduled. Either we're, we're workaholics or, or we're, we've got so many activities and other things going on that we don't make room to actually be there for one another. So, so sometimes we've got to reevaluate our schedules. Um, another reason we don't connect is because we're hurt. We're hurt. You ever seen an animal that, that, that's been hurt, an animal with a broken leg or a broken wing? And you try to come to that animal because you want to help it. You, you, you want to help fix it. But what does the animal do? Goes the other way, right? Like we had a cat. Uh, our, our first cat's name was Homie. Uh, and, and Homie, the cat, uh, he, poor guy got a, got a flea infestation. Um, and, and they literally almost sucked the life out of him. There, there, somehow he got some sort of sickness, some sort of blood parasite from these fleas. And when it happened, he, he lost a ton of weight. Like, homie was a big boy, and then he was not a big boy very quickly. And, and when it happened, he, he actually found a cabinet in our kitchen, and he would pretty much just live in the cabinet. And as he got sicker and sicker, he moved further and further back into the cabinet, further and further away from us. And finally, we, we, we took him to the vet on a Friday, and the, the vet said if you'd have waited until Monday, he wouldn't have made it. Uh, but we were able to get him the medicine he needed, and he came back. And, and it's a happy ending to this story. But, but I think all of us are like homie, right? When we're hurt, when we're sick, when somebody's done us wrong, what do we do? We automatically move away from relationships. We move away oftentimes from the people who are there to help us, from the people who are there to support us through it. And I know this generation of Christians has so much spiritual hurt. We've got so much spiritual baggage. We've got so much that's happened to us from, from a previous pastor or a previous church or, or somebody that we were in a small group with or somebody that we confided in or somebody that did ministry with us and, and they betrayed us or they gossiped about us or they weren't actually the person that they said they were. Or they hurt the church or whatever happened. And I think a lot of us are kind of just hanging out in the kitchen cabinet just by ourselves, just isolated, licking our wounds when the reality is there's nothing in the cabinet that's going to fix us. There's nothing in the cabinet that's going to heal us. The healing is out there where it's scary. The healing is out there where it's dangerous. The healing is out there where I had to be vulnerable again. The healing is out there where I might get bit again, where I might bump into another flea that sucks the life out of me. But that's where the healing is. And so we've got to choose, you know what, I'm going to push past the pain, and I'm going to push past the hurt, and I'm going to allow God to to connect me, to fit me with new people, with a new season, with a new opportunity. Uh, Number three reason that we don't connect is because we're scared. It's very similar to the second one, and oftentimes we're scared because we've been hurt. But sometimes we're not scared because we've been hurt. Sometimes we're scared for other reasons. Like all of us, I think, have, like the more that I do ministry, I, I did a long time in youth ministry. And the longer that I've been doing adult ministry, the more that I realize that we're all the same. Sorry, I don't know what's going on, but we'll just, uh, we'll, we'll freak out together. Um, that was to illustrate the we're scared part, right? Uh, not really. Uh, so we're scared. Uh, I, I think what I was saying is the more that I minister to adults, the more that I realize adults are just like teenagers. 
Like we're the same. Like every one of us has like a sixth grade boy or sixth grade girl inside of us. Um, and, and when you see teenagers, a lot of times when, when you first like go through puberty and get to that like awkward stage, like you're afraid of everything, right? Like you're afraid to talk to somebody. You're afraid to not talk to somebody. You're afraid to sit with somebody. You're afraid to not sit with somebody. Like, and, and, and I think a lot of us sometimes we're just afraid. What if, what if they don't like me? What if they reject me? What if, what if I try to do something with them and they don't want to do something with me? And we have like this little insecurity inside of us. And fear, what, what does fear do, man? If you shine a light into, into a deer's eyes, what happens to a deer? He stops, he freezes, he paralyzes. And I think it's one of the enemy's best tricks is he just uses fear to keep us from moving forward. He uses fear to, to keep us from serving. He uses fear to keep us from giving. He uses fear to keep us from worshiping. He uses fear to keep us from planting. He uses fear to keep us from connecting. Like he uses it all the time, and so often we have to, to, to begin to recognize that and confront it. Number four reason is we don't connect sometimes just because we're lazy. Let's just be honest, right? Like, oh, it's raining. I really don't want to go out. I don't want to see anybody right now. Do I? Do I really have to take a shower today, right? Like, like, let's just be honest. Sometimes we don't connect because connection requires, like, bathing or brushing our teeth, right? Or, like, some, like, basic level of something that was, like, oh, I just want to lay in bed all day today. I just, man, Netflix and chill, what's up, right? And, and we connect with a screen and not with people. And sometimes we don't connect because we're lazy. Let's just be honest. I'll just leave that one where it's at. If that's you, you can deal with that between you and God. But I think this is the biggest reason, number five. The biggest reason why we don't connect, in my opinion, is we don't connect because we're unintentional. Let me explain that for you. Because I believe every one of us wants to. I believe if we're Christians, like, we know this is something we're supposed to have. We know we're supposed to have life-giving relationships. We know we're supposed to speak life into each other, and somebody's supposed to be speaking life into us. We know we're supposed to be there, and I think every one of us, if we pass the microphone around today, we'd be like, yes, I want that. And yeah, I'm willing to push through some discomfort. Yeah, I'm willing to be vulnerable. Yeah, I'm willing to take some chances. But here's what most often or so often we don't do is we just don't get intentional about it. And so it doesn't happen. See, when we're kids, connection just happens. You show up at school, somebody else is at school, all of a sudden you're friends, right? Like, like it just works that way. We play baseball together. We're in art class together. We hate our teacher together. Like, you find some common ground, and all of a sudden you're friends. And then we grow up, and it doesn't necessarily work that way. It's not like, hey, I go to church with somebody one Sunday a week, you know, once a week, maybe three times a month, and I sit near them, like two rows away from them, and now we're friends. Like, it, does, it just doesn't work that way, right? Like, we don't just somehow sit near one another, and now, okay, I got your back, and you got my back. Like, there, there's got to be more to it than that. Part of that is you don't go to church every day like we go to school every day, right? So, so there's not the time investment. But, but part of it is the older we get, the worse we get at making friends, <laughs> like the worse we get at being intentional about it. Because when you're in school, you got to have some friends because you don't want to be the one by themselves. Like there's, there's this fear. And as you get older, it's like, oh, I can sit by myself. I got more elbow room. Like it's more comfortable. I can sneak. If I need to go to the bathroom, ain't nobody in my way, right? Like, like we move from wanting people around us all the time to wanting nobody around us. And in the process, we're just not 
that intentional. We had a family over for dinner last night, and we had a great time. We, we had chicken fajitas, and we played some games, and we made fun of each other, and it was the way Jesus intended it. Uh, and, and in the course of conversation, this family who's, who's from the church, they, they shared with us, man, there's this other family in the church that we've been trying to connect with. And, and we've been trying to schedule something with, and hey, we're going to go to lunch this Sunday, and then something comes up for them, and then something comes up for us, and oh, we're busy, and they're busy. And it's like been two months, and they've been trying to get together with the same family. And like, tomorrow, we're actually going out to lunch with them. You know why they're actually going out to lunch with them? Because they've been intentional and hard-headed and stubborn about we're not going to let once or twice where this thing fell through say, you know what, it just wasn't meant to be. They fought for it. They were persistent. They were consistent. They were intentional. And how easy is it for us to, man, take that first time where it didn't work out? Oh, well, man, it took so much energy to send those three text messages to see if we could go out together. And it didn't work out. I'm just, I'm just done. I'm not doing it again. And, and, and it's, it's kind of ridiculous when we think of how little effort we put in sometimes. But I really think this is the biggest thing. So this week, be intentional. Find somebody to connect with, man. Find somebody from City Church. If you're a part of this church family, whether you're a member or you, man, you just consider this your church home, find somebody to connect with. Find somebody to, to do coffee with, to go to a movie with, to, man, I don't know, go shoot spitwads with. I don't care. Like, you, you want to go fully back to middle school? Go there. Like, just do something together. It doesn't have to be like Bible study and intercessory prayer. Like you don't got to get together and speak in tongues together if that's not your thing. Um, like just get together, right? Like, yeah, and that's going to lead to some more spiritual stuff down the road. It's going to lead to those prayer times together. It's going to lead to that worship together. It's going to lead to, man, when, when life hits, I'm not somebody I can go to. I got somebody who's got my back. I got somebody who's praying for me. One of the greatest things that I ever hear, every once in a while, somebody from the church will be like, hey, Pastor, I want you to know I've been praying for you, man. You know what that does? Not because I'm a pastor. Just because I'm a dude. Like, you know how meaningful it is to know that somebody's praying for my kids? How meaningful it is to know that somebody's praying for me, like it's not in their job description, they're not getting paid for it, they're just doing it because they love me, because they care. But that happens because we do life together. It doesn't just happen because we happen to sit in the same building once a week and face in the same direction, right? Like we've got to be intentional. So most of the time when I preach, I try to preach in a way that you can take Grab a hold of scriptural truth, no matter what church you're a part of, no matter what culture you're a part of, like wherever you go, that this scriptural tr- truth is going to apply. And I think everything we've talked about so far goes up to that point. I, I want to take the last 10 minutes of our message today, and I want to zoom in to this local church, to this local body, because hopefully inside of you there's something that says, yes, I want to connect. Maybe I'm nervous that you're going to make me do something really awkward. Maybe I'm not really sure what it's going to look like. But there's something in me that says, yes, I need to be more connected. I I know that this is something I have to do. And so if that's you, if there's something in you that says, I'm willing to to take some steps. I'm willing to be uncomfortable. I'm willing to take some risks, to be vulnerable, to be intentional. If that's you, I want to give you four ways that you can become more connected to City Church. Four ways that, that you can, can take this and, and begin to live it out and walk it out. 
Number one, uh, we're not going to talk about it very long because we're going to talk about it more in a couple of weeks, but I want to hit on this because I think it's the best way at City Church that we have to really begin to do life together with somebody is become part of a city group. Now, I want to talk about city groups for a second because uh, the last six months has been like the weirdest six months in the history of our church. It's been the best six months in the history of our church. If you don't know what's gone on the last six months, like we did a building project and we were going to renovate it our other building. And then God said, no, I got a better building for you and I'm going to give it to you for free. And we moved over here and we did a bunch of work days and it's been crazy and hectic and amazing and awesome and completely unlike what we normally do. Uh, so one of the things that's kind of fallen by the wayside in the middle of all this is city groups. We, we haven't had city groups this semester. I've been telling you for like two months, hey, we're getting ready to do city groups. Hey, we're getting ready to do city groups. Hey, we're getting ready to do city groups. So we're going to launch city groups the Sunday of April 8th. Uh, I promise you it's on the calendar. It's going to happen come hell or high water. The Sunday after Easter, we will have our, our, our next batch of city groups ready to go for you. Um, city groups is our form of small groups. There's nothing magical about it. It's Six, eight, 12, 15 people in a room, usually with some food, always makes it easier. Uh, studying something, learning something, coming around some sort of activity, um, and, and getting more like Jesus together. Uh, and in the process, you get to know people, because the reality is, you don't really get to know anybody on Sunday morning. You might get to know somebody a little bit if you're part of the worship team and you're here at 730. Because, uh, you know, they're here for a while. But most of us, if, if you show up like most people, most people show up between 955 and 1005. You run into the auditorium. You grab a seat as close to the back as you can get it. Service ends. We're praying over it. You're sneaking out or you're getting your stuff ready. So as soon as we say amen, you can be out the door, right? Like we got stuff to do. And if you do that, you don't get to know anybody. Even if you stay five, ten minutes after service and have a couple casual conversations, you don't really get to know anybody. And so city groups is a way for us to, to break it down. Man, this, this, as the church grows, city groups are going to become even more important. Because the bigger the church gets, and we're going to get bigger in Jesus' name. Because there's a lot of lost people in this community. There's a lot of people that need Jesus. There's a lot of people that need a church family. So as the church gets bigger, it's going to become more and more important for us to break into smaller groups and to do life together, to find some people to walk through life with. So, so don't do anything with that right now. Just remember, be here April 8th and be ready because we're going to talk about city groups. Um, find a way to do it. Be intentional. Get connected. Second way that you can get more connected here at city, group, at city church excuse me, is to break bread together. At first Wednesdays. We have this thing that we started doing. This is one of the new things that, that we've added since we've been over here. Now we have a fellowship hall. Now, now we have a kitchen. Uh, and we like food. So uh, it's like, hey, once a month we'll get together. We'll do a potluck. We'll have a theme. This The first Wednesday of April is April the 4th. We're doing Mexican night. If you can't get down for Mexican night, I don't know what's wrong with you. Um, but uh, but all of us can find something in the Mexican context uh, that we can embrace, I believe. So we're doing Mexican night, April the 4th. Um, why do we do this? Just because we love food? No, because food brings people together. Because there's something about sitting at a table with six people instead of sitting in a row where, where now you're looking at people, you're connecting with people, you're talking to people where we're, we're happy because there's salsa and there's queso and you get to know somebody. It's not going to fill that role. If all you do is come to First Wednesdays once a month, it's not going to give you the relationships and the connection that you need. But what it can do is open the door where you can swap phone numbers, 
where you can initiate something, where you can I mean, find some people that you can step out beyond the church walls and begin to, to have some conversation, begin to do life together. So break bread together at First Wednesdays. Number three way that you can get more connected at City Church is, is serving together. This one's one of my favorite. Um, people who serve together get to know each other, man. If you teach with somebody else in Kid City and you watch that person love on a kid, you watch that person pray over a child, like you, you, you hear them teach and give their own illustration, their own story from their life, you're going to build some relationship in there. You're going to build some appreciation for that person. You're going to recognize, man, there's, there's more to this young adult than I thought there was. There's more to this old lady than I thought there was. There's more to this dude than I thought there was. Like you, when, when you serve with somebody, when you're out in the parking lot rushing to make sure that every car gets parked and we find a place to put them all and you're, you're out there serving with first impressions or you're welcoming people, you don't really get to know the people that you're welcoming because you just don't have time. You're just waking them feel welcome and doing your best. But you know who you do get to know? The other people you're welcoming with, like you get to know that team, and you serve with them consistently. Uh, there, there's something about the team aspect where we get together and serve. Um, my, my dad always used this illustration that, that I think is, is so correct here. Uh, in, in 1980, my mom was pregnant with me in 1980, so you can do the math. Uh, the summer of 1980, we lived in Seattle, Washington. The Mom and dad decided to take the roof off our house and add a second floor. Uh, and if you know anything about Seattle, it's famous for a couple things. What's one of them you could think of? Famous for rain, yeah. So they decided to do it in July, which is like the non-rainy season in Seattle. So they take the roof off, and sure enough, they got like the rainiest July in history and destroyed everything in the house, like everything. Uh, And so thankfully, some con man insurance agent had decided, had sold my dad flood insurance. We lived on top of a hill. Uh, Insurance that he would literally never need uh, unless he took the roof off the house in the rain. Uh, And and so God's provision, they they got it all taken care of. I had to live in a hotel for a while while my mom was pregnant with me and some crazy stuff. But everything was paid for, and the church rallied around them. and, And he talks about, even to this day, I mean, 37 years later, he talks about these men who came over and just hauled junk out of the house, hauled this toxic, mildewy, nasty mattresses and, and, and so many things and, and the work that they did on that house. And now he's like, man, I've never seen Jesus like I saw Jesus in those men. There's something that happens when we serve with somebody. We used to do youth mission trips, and I'd tell them ahead of time, no dating, no romance, because you're never going to see somebody look as hot as they do in their missions t-shirt. Like, there's just something that happens where people get more attractive when you serve Jesus together. It's just the way that it is. You start to see a new light of who people are and, and how they are. Uh, and, and you, you want to be more around them. So begin to serve. We, we've got opportunities in your seat. You should have a white sheet that looks like this. One side says Good Friday celebration. The other side says Easter block party. Go ahead and grab that if you got a minute. I told you some of the stuff since we moved over here has been a little bit different. Well, one of the things that's been different is we haven't done anything. Well, actually, we've done one. We did one Mission OB project. We did the Thanksgiving Mission OB. Uh, but that's all we've done since we've been here. So we're getting ready to gear back up and, and get back into our Mission OB serving our community mode. So Easter weekend starts the 30th. Uh, we are going to do a Good Friday service. It's a tradition we've had now for four or five years. It's an outdoor service in Olive Branch City Park at the amphitheater. Um, 
in the event of rain, we'll have updates on the City Church Facebook page, which is on here, if we're going to move it over here or we're going to keep it out there, what it's going to look like. So pray for no rain on Good Friday, and that will simplify everything. We've only been rained out once where we had to move it to the church. Hopefully that won't happen this year. But we're going to do an outdoor celebration, and there's basically two prongs to this. One is it's Good Friday. It's the recognition of the night where Jesus died for us, and it's great for us to get together and to worship. But, but instead of just doing it, and we could do it in here, we got a great facility. But if we do it here, you know who's going to be here? Us, right? So there, there's something about actually doing it outside, outdoors, where there's, there's no walls that somebody has to walk in. It's, it's kind of free, like they can just run away if they decide they want to. There's nobody standing, you know, there's nobody standing by the back double doors to keep them in, like... They have a freedom, and so we've seen year after year, we see people show up to this that we'll do some marketing in certain neighborhoods and advertising, and people will come and they'll worship with us, and we've seen people meet Jesus at our Good Friday celebration, um, and we're going to serve them some hamburgers. We're going to grill some burgers and have some chips and some drinks and, and have some stuff and, and eat some stuff together, and so we're going to start at 5.30. We're going to start with the burgers and the food, uh, and then the service is going to start at 6.30. We're going to worship. Normally, we've started at 6 and then the service at 7, but we find that about the time the sun goes down, it gets really cold. So we've backed it up 30 minutes, so it hopefully won't be quite as freezing by the end uh, this year. Um, we got opportunities to serve. If you want to serve and help us do this, if you get off early on Good Friday, and a lot of times people get off maybe half day or, uh, you know, maybe your schedule just happens to work out, we're going to start set up at 4 o'clock. Uh, so we're going to meet at the park at 4 o'clock uh, to, to start setting up, start firing up the grill, start getting food ready, all that kind of stuff. So if you can help us out 4 o'clock on Good Friday, we're going to need people greeting. We're going to need people working with kids. We're going to have a – Regina's got a whole kids program lined up. Uh, the worship team's going to be doing stuff. We're, we're going to have pretty much anything that you see here on Sunday morning. There's going to be some version of it out there. Uh, and, and so we've got great opportunities to serve. If you're in a department already, you serve in a department, uh, media, worship, kids, first impressions, talk to your director and let them know if you're available. Like, man, I'd love to help out with first impressions for, for March 30th. But if you, even if you're not and you know those ministry directors, you can let them know ahead of time. We'd love to plug you in uh, or talk to me if you don't know who those people are. We'll, we'll find a place for you. We'd love to have you uh, come and, and help us serve the community. So that's a good Friday. Then the next day, uh, Saturday the 31st, you got on the other side, we're going to do an Easter block party. Uh, and we are going to do this here at our property, but we're going to do it outside. So, again, it will be a little bit less threatening. We're going to bring in bounce houses. We're going to do a big Easter egg hunt at 11 o'clock. Uh, we're going to do free cotton candy and hot dogs, and, and we're just going to have some fun. We're going to do a free clothing giveaway, which we've been talking about for quite a while. We've had a lot of you guys bringing in clothes. Thank you so much. Just to, to, to remind everybody on that, all we're accepting donations on is clothing uh, and shoes, I guess, it goes along with that. Uh, a lot of people are like, hey, I've got this old console TV. And we just we just don't have room for everything right now. Like we got too much stuff everywhere. We're still trying to figure out. So clothing for the clothing giveaway. Um, but but we're gonna bless some people. Um, we're gonna need a lot of manpower for this. We're gonna need a lot of people to to make this possible. We want to show the love of Jesus to our community. In the process, we're gonna invite everybody who comes through. Back to our Easter service, both at the Good Friday service uh, and at the block party where everybody's going to be getting a handout. Man, here, come and worship with us for Easter. Uh, and, and we believe somewhere through that Jesus is going to be glorified. We're all going to have some fun. You're going to have some fun. Your kids are going to have some fun. Um, and, and we're going to reach some people together. And you know what else? You get to serve together. 
You get to meet somebody. You get to know somebody because you served alongside them because you plugged into a team. Maybe you've, you don't serve on a team on Sunday mornings. It's going to be a chance for you to, to really start to get to know some of the people here at City Church and how awesome they are. I know I brag on our people all the time. and Maybe you're like, yeah, they don't seem that great to me. I'm telling you. Hopefully you're not thinking that. But I'm telling you our people are awesome. And here's a way that you're going to find out. Uh, so serve together, break bread at First Wednesdays together, be part of a city group. And then the last way that you can connect at City Church, the last thing I want to encourage you with is, as we get ready to wrap up is this. I just want to ask you to take responsibility. In other words, recognize that it's not everybody else's job to get you connected. Like, it, it's easy for us to default to that. Well, nobody, nobody asked me to serve. Nobody wanted me to do this. Nobody invited me anywhere. Nobody ever talks to me. Let's put the ball in, in our own court. Let's take that responsibility and say, you know what? I'm, I'm not a sixth grader anymore, most of us. Maybe some of us are. Uh, but, but most of us, we, we, we've grown past that, right? We, we've got some maturity. We, we've been with Jesus for a little while. And you know what? I can take the responsibility. I can initiate a conversation. I can say, hey, can I get your phone number? Do you mind if I call you? Now, the hard thing is when you do that, you actually got to call them. I was, I was talking to somebody the other day, uh, and they were telling us they, they, they've just started coming to the church the last couple months and talking about why, why they're excited about City Church. And they're like, man, we've been to so many churches where people, number one, he said, we go to a bunch of churches and nobody even speaks to us, which blows my mind. Um, we cannot be that church, City Church. We got to talk to people. We got to welcome people. That's not okay. Um, but, but number two is they said, man, people talk to us here, so that was good. Uh, then number two, they said, but even then, when people would talk to us, we, we've been to churches where people were like, oh, man, we got to get together. We got to get together. It would be great to get together. And they'd be like, well, you know what? We knew they never intended to actually get together. That, that there was just something that they said, but there was nothing behind it. So let, let's, let's say it, but let's mean it. Let, let's follow through with it. Let's actually... Get together with somebody. But there's so much going on, but we're so busy, but I got this and I got that, and I get it. Trust me, I get it. But if we don't do it, it's not going to happen. The old phrase, if it's to be, it's up to me, right? The Word of God says in the New King James Version in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, says a man who has friends must himself be friendly. That, that there's a personal responsibility to this, that, that we can't just expect everybody else to do it. Now, here's the beauty of it. If you take responsibility, and I take responsibility, and we take responsibility, then it's not just going to be you going to other people. It's going to be other people coming to you. And we're going to have multiple connections and multiple ways to do it. It's like when we talk about marriage, we do premarital counseling. We say it's not 50-50, it's 100-100. Well, what if I give 100 and they don't give 100 back? Well, that's, that's the risk. That's the vulnerability of marriage, right? It's the vulnerability of the body of Christ. What if I give 100 and they don't give 100 back? Here's what I believe. I believe if you give 100, God's going to bless you. And maybe you give 100 and somebody else doesn't give 100 back. You're going to find somebody who will. Sometimes it might be the first couple people don't because we're human and we're flawed and this is not a perfect church and we're not full of perfect people. And sometimes we're going to let you down. And that's the sad reality and I hate it, but it's the truth. But if you'll do that consistently, if you'll be persistent and you'll take the blows and say, you know what, okay, maybe that wasn't the right family for us, but we're going to try this other family. And if you'll step out, I truly believe you're going to connect. I truly believe you're going to find some people that you can do life with, some people that you can connect with, some people that you can grow more like Jesus with. So we're going to break bread together at First Wednesdays. 
We're going to become part of a city group when we launch them on April 8th. We're going to serve together even at Mission OB coming up on March 30th and 31st. And we're going to take responsibility because we've got to connect, City Church. We've got to. As this church grows, it's going to become that much more important. Um, if we're going to fulfill the God's call on our church to reach this city, we can't reach this city with a bunch of ones going out. We reach this city as a team, as a family, as, as a body of Christ serving the community together. Amen?